So welcome to part three of our special here at Cornerstone this Christmas. I'm so excited that you've chosen to join us again today. Um, we've already had a great two days uh, of being able to get in the Word and worship together. So, so thankful we have this time leading up to Christmas and I'm excited about what we're gonna learn today. Uh, as we get started, a few things just to run by you. One is um, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, I invite you to join us on our website at live.mycornerstone.org to get the full experience. Uh, there'll be, we'll be there chatting and interacting with you on that website. So that will be a, a great place to join us. Be sure and invite your friends to join us as well. Um, I'm really, I've, I'm just already blown away by how many people are joining in and listening and watching and, 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 and really just talking about what God is doing here at Cornerstone. So I'm so thankful you've uh, helped us uh, with that. I um, also want to bring up our Christmas offering. I've mentioned this each time, but uh, each year at, at Cornerstone, we give back. Uh, we take a time at Christmas to give back to God. He's given so much to us. It, we just give a, a, back to Him. And so we ask that you take a, a time to prayerfully consider what you can give back to God this Christmas. Uh, every bit of the money we get in through our Christmas offering uh, will be going back out. And it's going to three different needs uh, that we know of right now. One is for Nicaragua. Uh, one is for uh, uh, the local Hope House ministry. And one is to provide car seats for foster care families. So three great needs that you can be a part of and you can give by going to our website at mycornerstone.org and just choose and give online. You can also give by going to the Church Center app. And on the Church Center app, uh, you can just choose the Christmas Offering Fund, and you can do that as well. So it's not too late. I uh, invite you to just join in and do that. And finally, one more special announcement before we get started today. Um, tomorrow, as we wrap up our four-part online special, we're going to end with a special time of communion. And the way we're gonna do this uh, is at the very end of the service tomorrow, we wanna invite you to participate in a communion service with us. Instead of meeting at the church this year, we're doing it online together as a family. You've got a couple of options. One, uh, you can stop by the church anytime today or tomorrow and out on the back porch, uh, there'll be a place where you can pick up your communion supplies. So you can do it that way or you can, uh, uh, you can make your own. And we'll be posting a video on Facebook with a, a great fun, fun family activity to, to make your own communion bread. Um, so uh, we encourage you to get your, your materials ready for that tomorrow, the elements ready, the bread, the, the grape juice, and you can join in tomorrow as we meet at a, uh, again at noon or at 7 p.m. tomorrow um, and help uh, join in with communion. Uh, so I want to just thank you again for being here today. We're excited about what God's doing, and let's jump right in to worship. Of Orient are 
Oh, the call of a mother In a town nearby To tend and to carry On this holy night Not an ordinary child But the Son of God Breathed by the Holy Spirit When the baby She swaddled him up, she knew his time would come as she said.
So welcome to day three, part three of our online Christmas special. Um, thanks for joining in with worship. I so much appreciate our Cornerstone worship team. Uh, man, it was not easy getting all that filmed. It was a, a cold evening. Uh, everybody uh, just jumped right in and we, we even, we struggled a little bit. We had some uh, audio issues and uh, and getting everything to work just right, but it all came together so we could have this time together. Uh, this time at Christmas, I don't know about you, but but take a minute and ask each other, what is your favorite part of Christmas? What's your favorite memory from your childhood? Uh, do you remember the gifts that you received from your parents? Um, I, I think back and, and just thinking about the different gifts I've gotten over the years and how excited I was to open the presents and Man, Christmas is just a special time, but I, I wanna let you in on a little secret. The secret is that I'm a terrible gift giver. I really am. I, I'm just, that is not one of my strengths. I always struggle knowing what to get. Um, in fact, I, I'm really bad about getting gifts that to other people that I would like to have because that's how I'm like, oh, I would love this, so let me get it for them. And that, that doesn't always work. Uh, and so I've not always had the best track record at buying gifts. Sometimes though, uh, there's been a few times where I was able to just be able to pick, right, the gift that was really perfect. And, and you know what I mean by that, right? Sometimes you just get a gift that's, that's really needed. It's not expected, it's not, uh, maybe they don't have, they're just completely surprised, but they are just amazed at what you uh, can do. Uh, maybe uh, for, for me, though, there, those times have been few and far between, but there's been a few times that I've gotten a gift like that, that I've just picked out something that was really a good gift. Now, here's the reality. 2,000 years ago, our Heavenly Father gave us an, an incredible gift, the, the, the best gift that we could ever receive. It's one we don't always appreciate. It's one we don't always understand. It's one we didn't even know we needed until we received it. Um, and, I, and I don't believe it was by, by accident. I know that it was part of God's grand design that he sent Jesus to be born in a stable. We're here outside today. Uh, we, we live in such an area, a rural area, an area full of beauty, a, a full of wonder. Uh, got still snow on the ground. And I, I'm just thinking about uh, just how incredible it is to live in a place that's kind of outside the hustle and bustle of the city. And that's similar to where Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. It was not in a big city. It was not in a palace. It was in a small town in a, in a stable. And it was all part of God's plan that he came for us. And he came in an ordinary way to a very ordinary place for very ordinary people, just like you and me. For the last two days, we've been focusing on this incredible prophecy found in the book of Isaiah. Um, I want to share it with you today with a little, uh, just, to, just to, to keep going back to it and keep thinking about it, just to keep letting it be fresh on our minds. In Isaiah 9, chapter 6 and 7, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. So here we have the gift of a son who will be called the eternal everlasting father. Have you ever thought about that? 
that will be given a son that is also the father. <laughs> Seems a little confusing, doesn't it? It's a little strange way of putting it that a son will be born and he will be the father. But it's really, uh, it's really such a, uh, an incredible part of the Christmas story that I don't want to just skip over it today. I, w- I want to jump in and look at what it means to, for, for Jesus to be our everlasting father. Uh, so what do you think of when you think of the word father? What do you think of? It's a word that produces very different reactions from everyone listening. For some of you, that word makes you smile. That word uh, will just, you think about your dad and you think about all the great memories you had and you cherish those memories and you love your time with him. You love to spend Christmas with him. But for some of you, it also makes you sad because maybe your dad is no longer with you. And so the memories you have of him also include those of a funeral. And so you, you, you look back to all those great memories and you're holding on to them, but there's also a sadness because he's no longer there with you. And then for some of you, the word father brings up some really complicated emotions because when you think about your dad, you think of uh, some of the greatest pain in your life maybe that you experienced. And maybe he was never there. Maybe um, he broke promises. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he abandoned you. Maybe you, maybe you, you never really ever knew him. Uh, maybe he seemed too busy with you or was always disappointed with you. And, and all of that is why the word father provokes so many different emotions and so many different responses. Here's what I want you to know. If, if you, when you think of father and it just makes you smile and it just makes you joyful, I want you to know uh, that you're... The, the best things about your dad give you a glimpse of the wonderful goodness of the, your heavenly father, how good God really is. But if, those, the, but if the word father brings up some complicated emotions for you, here's what I want you to know. Your heavenly father uh, is not like your earthly father. He's the perfect father. Uh, Jesus is offering you the kind of father-son, uh, father relationship that you need that you never had. And he is inviting you to be part of his family. It's amazing how important uh, fathers really are. Uh, If you study uh, some of the the big problems in our society today, many of them are traced back to really a a crisis of fatherlessness. And and what I mean by that, uh, more than 25 million children live in a home without the physical presence of a father. Millions more have dads who are physically present, but maybe emotionally absent. Um, it's really a, an epidemic. It, it's, a, it, it's, 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 a, it's a huge problem in our world today, and it's not talked about often enough. A U.S. Department of Education study uh, found that 39% of students from first through 12th grade are fatherless. 39%. Almost four out of every 10. Think about that. Think about the problems that that causes. 70% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Uh, I, I read this quote. It said, fatherlessness is having a great impact on education. First of all, it's growing, and the correlations with any number of risks are considerable. Children are four times more likely to be poor if the father is not around. And we know that poverty is heavily associated with academic uh, su- success or, or, or a lack of success. Uh, fatherless kids are twice as likely to drop out. 
uh, incarceration uh, is, is connected with fatherlessness. So the, the, the love of a father can have a dramatic impact on a child growing up. It can have an impact on their physical growth, on their mental health, on their spiritual growth. Uh, and and the, the truth is that we all want to be loved by a father. We all really want to be loved by our father. There's an interesting book called Father Factor, how your father's legacy impacts your career. And, and it impacts far more than just your career. We know that. And it impacts your whole life. It impacts your, your view of who God is. But he talks in that book about there's four types of inadequate fathering. He talks about there are dads who are never satisfied. There are dads who are emotionally distant. There are dads who are absent. There are dads who are just that ticking time bomb. And I think for so many people, when you think about God, that's what you think about. God is that God, that, that, that dad that's never satisfied. You can never do enough good for him. Or that he's an emotionally distant dad. So he's out there somewhere, but he doesn't really care about you. He's too busy with all the more important stuff. Or maybe he's the absent dad, right? That, that's just not even, uh, that, that, that doesn't even know that you exist. Or maybe he's the ticking time bomb. You're just so scared you're going to mess up and God's going to be angry at you that you go through life just walking on eggshells, afraid to do anything good because you may slip up and do something bad. I, I want you to know that just because, you know, that may be how you view your earthly father, that's nothing at all like how your heavenly father really is. Here's the first point I really want to share with you today, and I want you to think about this. When Jesus came to earth, he revealed the perfect love of the Father. When Jesus came to earth, he revealed the perfect love of the Father. He's your heavenly Father that is the perfect Father. He can heal any father wounds that you may have. In Scripture, we have an incredible illustration of the love of the Father, and it's in the book of Luke in chapter 15 in the New Testament. And it's a story that I just keep going back to because the more I read it, the more I'm impacted by how much Jesus really uh, cares about us and how much God, our Heavenly Father, cares. It's a story of a, of a son who wandered off. It's a story of a son who left the family home, took his inheritance, and, and turned his back on his father, turned his back on his whole family. He went, he partied, he spent all the money, he lost everything. And in the midst of his despair, he realized he should go home. And, and what happened when he did that? We'll pick it up in verse 17. He says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Wow. And so the party began. The party began. It's so many things in the story stand out, but one of them is why the son was still a long way off the father saw him. That father had been waiting. 
Now the son had been gone a long time, but the father had not given up hope. He stood and he waited. He looked on the horizon. And when he finally saw his son top the hill and start towards home, he got excited. Why? Because he had been waiting. Why? Because he had never given up. And, and, and just think about that. He, he couldn't go on with his life until he knew his son was home. That's how emotionally connected he was to his child. Uh, he, and when he saw his son appear, his father was filled with compassion. He ran and, and he, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him and he, he sprinted to him. And, and just think about this was in that day and time, this was not a dignified way for a, a grown man to act, just to run and throw and, and, and hug and kiss. And this was, this was like, this was almost embarrassing, right? For the people around him, like, why is he acting this way? Why? Because of love. Why? Because he loved his son so much that when he came back, he was so excited to see him that he, 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 he couldn't control his emotions. I love that. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about ridicule and shame and what other people thought of him. He just wanted his son to know that he was loved. And that's how God, our heavenly father, uh, loves us. And so as Jesus is telling his story, this is his message. His message is, I am like that father. I am like that father. If you want to know what God is like, that's what God is like. It's not the God that is emotionally uh, absent or distant or a ticking time bomb. Or it, it's, it's the, no, it, it's, the, it's the dad who was waiting and watching and running and loving and hugging and kissing his son. Uh, that is so incredible. Um, he will not rest until he knows you are home. That's the picture of your heavenly father. So when we go back to this prophecy in Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Christ, what Isaiah is telling us is that you have a, uh, that when Jesus comes, he's going to be the wonderful counselor. Oh, wow. He, he's going to be the, the mighty God, but he's going to be your everlasting father, your everlasting father. Christmas is so much about God coming near out of his love. I love I've shared a couple of Max Lucado quotes, but he says, he came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that held him were not manicured, uh, they were, but they were calloused and they were dirty. No silk, no ivory, no hype, no party, no hoopla. God had come near for you. Jesus came in a rural town in the middle of nowhere because of love because he cared for you and me. And when Isaiah says that that child that will be born is our everlasting father, Isaiah is speaking of a child that's coming, but he's clear that this child that is coming is God in the flesh. In John chapter 14, Jesus clears this up. If, if there was any confusion, is Jesus really God? Right? And, and, and honestly, that's a, there's confusion in our world and our society today about that. Many different cults and, uh, and other religions say that Jesus is not really God. This is what Jesus says. Uh, he was talking with, uh, with Philip. He said, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. It's very clear. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh, 
in person. Uh, and if you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know what God is like, you want to know about his character, you want to know about his nature, you want to know how much he loves and what he's like, we have a perfect picture of God. And that picture is Jesus. And we have a description of his life. We have a, a revelation of his life, right? As we open the words of scripture, we get a glimpse of God. But why? Because he came near, because he came in the flesh, because he became one of us. I'm so thankful for that. And so when Jesus came, he revealed the father's love for us. Why? Because he, he revealed God to us, because he was God. 100% man, 100% God. Uh, incredible uh, incredible truth that we can lean on anytime. So that's the first point, right? That G Jesus revealed God as Father to us. The second is that our Heavenly Father's love is everlasting. How comforting is it to you to read that He shall be called Everlasting Father? Once we became a child of Christ, we are His and He is ours forever. It's everlasting. And no one can take that away from you. There, there'll be no goodbyes with him. Nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from his love. That's what Romans 8 tells us. Nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love, not even death itself. Instead, at the time of our death, we'll be brought even closer to the God who created us. We'll be with him for all of eternity. How does, how does this happen? It happens because we are adopted. Now, when we're saved, when we're born again, maybe that's a term you're familiar with, maybe it's not, but for, to become a Christian means that we have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ to save us, to rescue us. And when we do that, at the moment we do that, he forgives us, uh, he forgives us of our sin. He makes us right with God, our Heavenly Father. But he also does something else. He adopts us into God's family. He adopts us into his family. Um, he sends his spirit into our hearts to, to, to bring us into the family of God, to live inside of us, to help us do what is right. And he does all of this uh, because of love. Some of you know that in the adoption community, and we have several families who have adopted here at Cornerstone, several families who are fostering. Um, there, there's a wonderful phrase that's used to talk about the hope that adoptive families can bring. And, and many, many children without parents or, or many orphans, they'll be passed from family to family, sometimes three or four more times through the foster care system and, and different places and, and different placements. But then there, there sometimes you, you land somewhere and it becomes your forever family. I love that term, your forever family. You're adopted into the family. You're no longer just a, a temporary, there temporarily. No, you're, you're brought in and you become part of their forever family. Here's what I love about God. When we're adopted into his family, we become part of his forever family. Just think about that for a minute, right? The, the, the family of God is a forever family. He's our everlasting father. Uh, nothing is ever going to change that. Why? Because he's adopted you into his family. God the Father never changes his mind. He never decides to stop being your heavenly father. The one who has secured your adoption through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he's never going to give up on you. Even when you're out running away, he is there waiting on you to come back. 
That's the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The father is waiting. He desires for you to come back. He is waiting with open arms. And in fact, he loves you so much, his heart is broken until you do come back. So I love that, that, that God, the, our father, uh, he becomes our everlasting father who says to his children, to anyone who follows him, right? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are mine. You are part of my forever family. I've got you forever. I love uh, what uh, Charles Spurgeon once said, and uh, it was a, a, a famous pastor from the past. He said, there is no unfathering Christ, and there is no unchilding us. He is an everlasting uh, father to those who trust in him. He's an everlasting father to those who trust in him. John 10 says this. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. Amen, right? I, there, there's nothing more powerful than God. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. The father and I are one. And so again, we see this, that Jesus says, hey, me and the Father, we're one. We're one and the same. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the, the great mystery of the Trinity. Uh, but they're all one, that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, "Why well, I've given you eternal life. Why well, I've given you eternal life and no one can snatch them out of God's hand. No one. And so once God has you in the palm of his hand, you're secure. Now, here's the problem with that. I think a lot of people think, oh, uh, I go to church, I'm saved. Uh, really? Is, is that all it takes to be saved? No, there's, there's more to it, right? Uh, there's more to it. It's because we've got to confess that Jesus is the Lord of our life. We've got to believe that God raised him from the dead. There, there's an act of belief that goes beyond just mental ascent. It, it means I'm going to trust in Jesus enough to follow him with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. It means I'm going to believe in my heart. It means I'm going to really trust in Jesus to save me. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to realize that God can save me, that I can't save myself. Um, but I'm going to put my faith and my trust in Jesus because we're saved by grace through faith. It's not what we do. It's what God has done for us. But we have to receive that gift. We have to trust that gift. And, and so that really is the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, he helps us to know God as our father, our everlasting father, one who will never leave us or forsake us, one who is always there for us, one who has us in the palm of his hand forever so that no one, that Satan cannot snatch you out of God's hand. I love that. In fact, uh, the, the, it really is a privilege, right, to know God as father, as an everlasting father. That's really at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You, you know who your father is. You know where your eternity lies. You know that no matter what happens in this world, that everything's going to be all right. Why? Because your heavenly father is there. And so when we look at this, we look at uh, this, that Jesus, your everlasting father, came down at Christmas into a broken, into a sinful world to fill our hearts with the love of heaven to teach us how to love each other. He came to make us sons and daughters of the King. That is the Father's gift to us this Christmas. Everything that you've ever dreamed a father could be, everything you've ever wanted from your relationship with your earthly father, Jesus is and he will be for you. 
Your Messiah will be a perfect father for you in every way. He will shepherd you. He will lead you. And Jesus, you have the perfect father forever. That's some good news this Christmas. In 1 John chapter 3, it says, See how much our father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Do you know him? People in this world, they, they don't always recognize who God is and why he came. That's why at Christmas it's so important that we share who this God is. This God is more than a Christmas story, than a Christmas carol. This God is the God who can save us, who can change our lives forever. 2 Corinthians 6 says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Just think about that for a moment. The God of the universe created you, and yet he's the one waiting for, on you with open arms saying, come home, come home. I, I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. You're not just a hired hand. No, I want you to be part of my family. Galatians 3, 26 says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's how we're saved. That's how we are adopted into the family. It's through faith. And finally, 1 John chapter 3 says this, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. There's a difference. Once you become part of the family of God, your whole life changes. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Here's a litmus test for whether or not you know Jesus, whether or not you've been saved. It's one, do you live, do you keep on sinning and do you love one another? And what he's saying here, are you living in a continual lifestyle of sin? We're all going to mess up from time to time. But when a believer sins, we turn to God, we confess, we repent, we turn, we keep following after Jesus. And this passage just tells us if we really belong to Jesus, we're going to love each other. We're going to care about each other. We're going to care about the world around us. We're going to care about people who are hurting. We're going to do something about it. And as a church, Man, this is why we exist. We want people to, to come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Absolutely. We want to teach them what it means to follow Jesus so they can put love into action, so that they can keep on loving others, so we can engage our community and our world for Christ. We can tell this world about the, the, the Father that they didn't even know they needed, but who is waiting on them with open arms to, to receive them, to adopt them into his family. And so I just want to invite you today, if you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity right here, right now. It, it, it's, you're watching online, but I, I don't care where you're at. Right now can be the moment that forever changes your life. You realize that, right? This can be the time that forever changes your life. And I just want to invite you to pray with me, to put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, will you join me in prayer right now? Heavenly Father, right now I just want to, confess my sin, Lord. I, I know I need Jesus. I know I need saving. I know that my life uh, is, has been a mess in so many ways, but I know that Jesus has come to rescue me. So I want to acknowledge that, that you are my heavenly Father, the, the Father that, can, uh, that is waiting to receive me into, into his open arms. 
And so right now, Lord, I want to confess my sins. I want to ask that you forgive me. I want to ask that you strengthen me. I want to ask that you comfort me. I want to ask that you lead me and guide me. I, I, I believe, I believe. And so right now, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life, the, the Lord, my master. And so I confess that with my mouth. I really do believe, I believe, God, that Jesus came to earth at Christmas 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, and then he went to the cross on my behalf. And because of that, now I can be forgiven. I can be adopted into your family. Heavenly Father, just save me, transform me, help me to, to be more like Jesus in how I act, help me to love one another. Lord, I just thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what I want you to know. God hears your prayers. Why? Because he is the God that is waiting with open arms. That's the message of Christmas, right? He came so that we could be connected to our heavenly father. He's an everlasting father. It's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. We're going to close with a time of Christmas worship again. Uh, again, so thankful that you've joined us today. Be sure and let other people know about what you're learning and invite other people to join us. One more day and we get to, to learn how he is the Prince of Peace. Uh, what does that mean in a world that lacks peace today? Well, we're going to learn about that tomorrow. Uh, I also want to remind you that we'll be celebrating communion together as families at the end of the service tomorrow. So be sure and get your supplies together for communion, your juice and the bread. You can provide your own or you can stop by the church today or tomorrow to get yours. Uh, they'll be on the back porch under the steps. Uh, so just drive to the back alley and you'll, you'll find it there. Uh, I'm so excited about this. Um, this has been a big undertaking this Christmas. Um, but uh, here's what I want you to know, right? Our God is an everlasting Father who loves us with an everlasting love. Thanks for joining in today. Let's worship together. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant.